the Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Today, we're going to talk about how the political lines are shaping up and coming together under the guidance of the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. We're going to talk with two commissioners ahead of their public comment session here in Detroit later today, and then we'll talk with a college professor and redistricting expert who's looked at the commission's work so far and found it lacking in some key areas. That's all next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. So the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission kicks off a new round of public hearings today right here in Detroit. The commission is going to be collecting public comment on 10 draft legislative and congressional maps that they have been working on for much of this year. Today's meeting starts at 1 p.m. and goes until 8 p.m. at TCF Center, the former Cobo Hall in the middle of downtown Detroit. You can find the full list of public hearings happening this week and next at michigan.gov slash M-I-C-R-C. Now, these maps uh, that uh, we have now seen Uh, over the last couple of weeks have caused a lot of interesting responses and some really controversial backlash. There are a lot of people who are unhappy with the difference in these maps from maps drawn by partisans 10 years ago or 20 years ago. We decided in 2018 here in the state of Michigan that we aren't going to have partisans drawing the maps, deciding the political lines anymore, and that we'd turn the work over to this independent commission, which is made up of Republicans, Democrats, and independents. But so far, the work that they've produced has a lot of people, I think, uh, on their heels, a little bit uh, surprised by the changes and what they mean. We want to start today by talking with two of the people who are responsible for this work. They're in the middle of the process. Uh, I want to welcome Rebecca Satella, who is the chair of the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. She is an independent from Canton to Detroit Today. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Also with us is Brittany Kellum. She is a member and the former chair of the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. She is a Democrat from right here in Detroit. Brittany, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. It's great to be here this morning. So I want to start with the two of you giving us an update from your point of view about how the work has been going so far, what some of the biggest challenges are that you've faced as you've been going about trying to uh, develop these maps and where you think we are right now as you prepare to hear from the public here in Detroit uh, about your work. Rebecca, I will start with you. Yeah, so um, 
you know, I think things are going really well so far. I think we've come up as a commission with a group of alternative maps that people can look at and provide feedback on so that we can um, solicit more feedback from the public, which is why we are producing multiple U.S. congressional, multiple state house and multiple state senate seats or senate maps so that people have alternatives that they can provide comments on. So I think the process is going well. Um, obviously, the biggest challenge for us to date has been that delay in the census data, which, um, you know, was significantly delayed and pushed us back on the time frame on when we could start actually drawing maps. Um, so that's been the biggest challenge. But what we're looking forward to in the next couple of days is just some, some great feedback from people providing us with their input on the maps that we have, possibly providing alternative maps so that we can gather that information and, you know, potentially change maps, potentially, you know, move forward, move forward with maps. I mean, it just is all going to depend on what we hear from the public. Mm. Uh, Brittany, uh, how's, how's the work been for you so far? We talked to you at the very beginning of this process, is, uh, is my memory. Uh, how, how's it been since then? Yeah, we did talk at the beginning of the process, and the work has still been um, great work. It's been challenging work. Um, and it continues to unfold as, you know, and with any process, there is a learning curve. So it's about us as commissioners wanting to listen to the public and we have, but then that meeting in the middle of um, what expectations really look like when we talk about metrics, what um, maps really looks like, what maps really look like when it gets down to the redistricting process. So it's it's about that constant conversation, as Chair Zatella said, between the community and ourselves as we continue to listen and make adjustments that not just makes most sense for the community, but also for the, you know, the entirety of the state of Michigan. And that's something that I even, you know, um, iterated yesterday when we had a live interview. Mm. So I want to talk specifically about the maps that you guys have out there for people to give feedback on. And and I want to talk first about the guidelines and the factors that you guys used to come up with those maps. Because I think there's, I think there's still a fair amount of confusion uh, among the, pop, the, 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 the public about how you prioritize different factors to come up with uh, proposed um, uh, maps. So I, I first want to talk about this idea of communities of interest, which is third on the list of ranked criteria that the state constitution now requires of these district maps. Talk about what that means and how each of you have used that in, in coming up with uh, the way that these maps ought to look. Uh, this time I'll start with you, Brittany. So we painstakingly, not just listening through the hearings, of course, when we invited folks across the state of Michigan to come and dialogue with us. Um, so listening to those public comments where people talked in detail about um, waterways, neighborhoods, you know, most, many of us are not, we cannot be from every part of the state. So listening intently was like our, our survival at that point. And then um, when we began to draw the lines, really going back to that data, not just from public hearings, but from the big data analysis that we've had from our experts, um, taking into account different populations in terms of ethnicities, looking at maps that um, folks showed us just to keep that as a reference, though, of course, we can't 
promise because of geography and the criteria, like you highlighted, that um, we can make everyone happy. But communities of interest, though it was third on the list, was something that we were constantly justifying in terms of how we were drawing the lines, where we were placing, when, when we were unassigning or reassigning, we were constantly thinking of the folks that lived in the area. So um, I could say that as a commission, that was our, our task and something that we took very seriously. But on a personal level, um, I definitely, of course, being a native Detroiter, kept an extra ear and eye out for those comments that uh, were, were reflected in my city. Hmm. So... Rebecca, one of the things that I think is true about the public reaction to the maps is that for a lot of people, there's one factor that matters the most. And they're looking at the maps and thinking, well, according to this guide, the maps don't don't do what I want them to do. Uh, They're not necessarily thinking about it in terms of a number of different factors and weighting those factors uh, de- depending on what priority they're they're assigned. Uh, uh, talk about the ways in which the different factors all have to to get some consideration when you're when you're drawing these maps. Yeah, so I mean, the seven ranked criteria are listed in the Constitution, and that's what has driven our work, and that's what we've been following. And I have seen some confusion with the public where. Um, you know, maybe people will comment and say, well, you're not considering partisan fairness. And that would be at a point where we're working on voting rights compliance. And our goal throughout this process was sort of to systematically work through that list and make sure we're complying with all the criteria. And so as we've gone down the list, you know, we start with Voting Rights Act and equal population. We move to contiguous. Then we move to communities of interest. Then we start looking at partisan fairness. But we do have to keep them in that ranked order because that is what we are required to do by the Constitution. And so we can't just um, take the opinion as a commission that we think partisan fairness is more important because that's not what the Constitution provides. And so there does seem to have been some confusion in the public about those factors and how we weigh them. But at the end of the day, we have to follow that ranking in the Constitution. And as you watch, if you've watched our meetings, I know obviously people don't sit around and watch our meetings all day, but we've literally systematically gone down that list one after another, like, okay, here's what we're going to come up with for voting rights. And then maybe we make adjustments for community of interest. And then we adjust mm-hmm. for partisan fairness. And that's what has led us to the point where we have these, these proposed maps that are out there today that have considered all of the criteria and weighed them all and incorporated them into the draft maps that we have. I'm talking with Rebecca Zatella. She is the chair of the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. She's an independent from Canton. Also with us today is Brittany Kellum. She's a member and former chair of the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. She is a Democrat from here in Detroit. We're talking about the work that that commission has done so far, uh, the feedback that the commission is about to get from Detroiters later today at TCF from 1 to 8 p.m. You can go down and uh, tell the commissioners what you think of the draft maps that are out there for Uh, State House and State Senate and for Congress. Uh, We also want to hear from you right now. Uh, Give us a call and uh, tell us what questions or comments you have for members of the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. Are you happy with the way this process has played out so far? 
What do you think of the draft maps that the commission has produced? Uh, are they surprising to you? Uh, we all knew this process would produce something different. Are the maps more different than what you expected? Or are they about what you uh, expected? Um, and uh, give us a sense of whether you think the maps that we're looking at right now are better or worse than the maps that we currently have, maps that were drawn by partisans. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll uh, work you into the conversation. Also, give us a sense if you plan to go down to TCF today uh, to talk uh, with the members of the commission uh, about the maps. What are you planning to say? What are you planning to ask? Um, I, I, I want to turn to another factor that's gotten a lot of attention, uh, especially here in Detroit, in the last week or so. There's a lot of controversy about the way these maps slice up the city of Detroit and extend districts into surrounding suburbs so that they no longer have uh, African-American majorities. There are a lot of critics who are saying that none of the districts would have black majorities of voting age uh, population. Uh, Brittany, I'm going to start with you. You are a Detroiter. You are an African-American <laughs> woman. Um, uh, tell us tell us why, in your mind, these maps make, make sense for, for Detroiters. I knew you were going to start with me, and that's, that's, that's totally fine. Um, what I'll say, because of course, you know, we keep a pulse as to what is going on, but again, you know, we also have to keep our, our eyes focused on the task at hand, right? So I would encourage those Detroiters, number one, to kind of outline for us what they would what it would look like for a change. And we welcome, um, as we've said, any adjustments that we can move forward with. So, you know, our ears and our eyes are always open and we have our hearing today. But then I'll also say to take a, a closer look at what we've actually created and looking at the metrics, you know, we did a phenomenal job of not only supplying maps for the, for the public to look at, but also the numbers. And for us, that's what makes the most sense and what is constitutional. And there are no requirements, you know, to that end for majority and minority districts. Even with that, looking at our maps, you can see that we have created representation in areas that um, may maybe previously there were not some Black folks. So I would say to, to those that are a little nervous and apprehensive about what we've created, I really do think that we have done our best to um, elevate that communal voice. Um, obviously, we cannot pack districts. So the thought that there can be an all black district could be troublesome. We kept um, uniting neighborhoods, keeping communities together. So I think this is you know, a part of when you're reimagining change, there can be a lot of dissension. And I encourage us um, in order to be empowered and have equitable maps, to limit those distractions and focus on utilizing the voice to bring about those changes. If they, if, if, if some of my Detroiters aren't happy, I encourage you to vocalize that in a way that can help us understand what you would like to see. Mm. Uh, uh, Rebecca, the, the, the questions about whether to create 
you know, discrete districts in cities like Detroit. And it's not just Detroit that I'm hearing people uh, who are upset with these maps about uh, people from Livonia, for instance, have said to me a couple times that uh, they don't like the maps because uh, on several of them, Livonia gets carved up uh, into into many pieces. Uh, talk about though those tensions and how on the commission you 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 sort of have to think about the 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 i guess the the com- the competition between the idea of packing voters into communities of interest or unpacking those voters and creating uh, different kinds of communities of interest, I guess, that, that, that cross municipal and racial uh, boundaries. Yeah, so I would, I would say I have two thoughts on that. I think in terms of sort of creating districts where the minority-majority numbers are less than 50%, I think um, that is actually going to have a net positive effect on the number of representatives who represent the African-American community being elected, because rather than having a district with 90 percent African-American, we have divided those groups up into districts where you have coalition voters who tend to vote the same way. And I think that is actually going to increase the number of representatives and and have a positive impact on the African-American community in in the metro Detroit area. In terms of balancing the other factors, we have heard quite a bit about community splits. And um, respecting municipal, city, township boundaries is one of our criteria. However, it's our last criteria, or it's very down at the very end of the list. So we have other criteria that come first. And as I mentioned, those criteria are ranked. So if there is some conflict between keeping a, a township whole versus complying with the Voting Rights Act or a community of interest, we have to give the priority to the Voting Rights Act in the community of interest because that is what is higher up on the list in terms of the priority. Um, that being said, you know, we have, to the extent possible, attempted to minimize those disruption within municipalities, um, but, it, you know, those other higher factors always have to take priority over potential splits of communities. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with the members of the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission, Rebecca Satella and Brittany Callum will stay with us. We also want to hear from you on the phones. Give us a call. Let us know what you think of the maps, the draft maps that we're all looking at for State House and State Senate and for Congress. What do you think of them? What do you think of the way in which they carve up some communities, uh, mash communities together in common districts? Is that the right way to go? Or should we be respecting municipal lines and other kinds of guides as always the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019 that's 313-577-1019 you can also go to facebook or twitter put comments there and we'll work you into the conversation we'll be right back with more detroit today WDET is your place for open dialogue. The music you love. Real news and in-depth analysis. And cultural experiences. The sound of Detroit. 1019 WDET is your public radio station. 
This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests right now are two members of the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. Rebecca Zatella is the chair of that commission. She's an independent from Canton. And Brittany Kellum is also a member. She is the former chair of that commission. She is a Democrat uh, from here in Detroit. We're talking about the commission's work so far, uh, the public comment sessions that will be held in Detroit today from 1 to 8 p.m. at TCF, the former Cobo Hall in the center of downtown Detroit. Uh, we're also talking about the feedback that they have been getting from lots and lots of people uh, about uh, the draft maps so far. We want to hear from you as well, the listeners and the voters here in uh, in Southeast Michigan. Call and tell us what you think of this redistricting process, which is really different from what we've seen in the past. Think of how much we have heard about this process, how much have we've seen of this process. All of these draft maps that we're talking about, those are things we never got when partisans got to draw the maps. We would just be presented with uh, a final product, and there was very little, if any, citizen input. Uh, do you think this is a better process? Do you think it's producing a better outcome? Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put uh, comments uh, there, and we'll try to include you in the show that way. Let's start with uh, Lisa in Royal Oak. Lisa, what's on your mind? So, um, thank you, Stephen. I was uh, thinking about, I haven't been watching closely, but I'm wondering about the criteria itself. You know, I absolutely think that the work that went into preparing this new redistricting process was extremely well thought out and really well done, but I wonder if there's sort of unintended consequences. There, it sounds like Rebecca and Brittany are saying that the commission's following the criteria extremely closely. But do we feel like maybe the ranking of the criteria, if we had it to do over again, maybe would, we would put the partisan fairness as a higher rank? I mean, a lot of what we're seeing seems to be objections to the results that we're going to get. And, and they're, they're strict, it sounds like they're strictly following the criteria. Maybe we wish if we had it to do over, we'd redo the criteria. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point, and and a great question, Lisa. I'm glad you called, uh, Rebecca. I'll start with you uh, in answer to her. Um, honestly, I, that's not something I've ever considered. And in terms of my tenure on this commission, it's not really something I I can consider because I have what's in the constitution that I have to file. But certainly, you know, the the voters have spoken once before and they could speak again. And if there was a desire to change the order, that's certainly something that the voters could work on achieving. It's just not something that's going to change what we have to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Brittany, what's your what's your take on that? Honestly, my um, my response would be very similar. And, and just to kind of directly answer, I think with everything, there are always unintended um, consequences. And when we kind of talked a little bit about some public confusion and maybe some dissension there. I think sometimes when we examine what what folks' gripes are, typically are things, as was just highlighted, we can't change because of the Constitution. So it, beca- it begins to be 
um, kind of a disagreement almost with the law rather than what the commission's work actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, really appreciate the call uh, and the questions. Um, I want to ask you both before we get to the next caller about the Michigan State University's Institute for Public Policy and Social Research, which this week released a new report that was analyzing these proposed maps. Now, in a little bit, we are going to talk with the lead author of that report. But I wanted to ask you about a couple things that they found and are suggesting. First, they say you should be you consider repairing some U.S. census blocks that are not assigned to any districts. Can you talk about what, what's happening there? I'll, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what's happening there because when we look at the map, in our software, we don't we, we don't have any unassigned blocks. We actually run deviation reports before we approve the plan, and we look for unassigned areas or um, areas that are you know discontiguous with other areas. And our reports are showing nothing, so mm-hmm. it could just be a translation error with their shape file where for whatever reason they're they're not showing those census blocks assigned because in our maps they are assigned. Yeah. Okay. And then the report also says you should, quote, identify and follow a more systematic way to choose among communities of interest rather than following generic requests for what areas should be in what districts. Uh, I, I would love to have both of you respond to that, given that you have gone through uh, the process. Uh, Brittany, I'll start with you this time. Um, I could appreciate, you know, the statement, but what I'll say is it, it's quite systematic. I'm, we are expected to give justification for every single change line, everything that we've drawn, and it's not just for community of interest that we have been listening to, like, anecdotal information. We take into account all the other expert data and things that have been vetted. Um, you know, of course, nothing's perfect, but ours is pretty darn good <laughs> to make these to make these um, changes and to draw these maps. So that that would be kind of my knee-jerk response to that statement that this isn't something that we pulled out of thin air. And if anyone has watched the meeting, they could see that we are 13 individuals that deliberate quite long and hard, even to the point of disagreeing sometimes very, very passionately. So the you know, this is this is not like a science project of redistricting. This is <laughs> this has been done very um, well and painstakingly. So, mm. uh, Rebecca, what's your reaction to that criticism? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with Commissioner Kellum. I think we have been very systematic. Does that mean that there aren't possible process improvements? Of course not. There's always the potential to improve the process, and this is the first time anyone has done this in the state of Michigan. So we certainly. Um, future commissions down the road could could maybe come up with a slightly different process that maybe has improvements in efficiency and in being more systematic. But I, I agree with Commissioner Kellum. I think we did follow a very systematic process, and everything that we have done is very deliberate, very intentional, and very data driven. And that's the key point: it's data driven. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the final uh, criticism in that report says you should in- consider embracing quote, a broader set of measures of partisan fairness that incorporate comparisons against universes of possible maps. I know a lot of this language is is maybe more technical than a lot of the listeners are going to be able to to, to follow. But but I would love to have both of you respond to that as well. Rebecca? Yeah, I mean, I haven't read that portion of the report, so I'm not sure what other measures that they would want us to look at. Right now we're looking at four. 
Um, but and those largely have been driven by the existing body of case law that's out there. Um, so, I mean, certainly I don't think it would hurt to have additional measures. Um, and that, again, is something a future commission, I think, could look at. I don't know that we would we would change what we're doing right now because we do have those four that I think are really solid measures and are validated by court. Mm. Uh, Brittany, what's your response to that? I would agree with Chair Zatella and also say that when these comments come up, I always get this very curious look because I want, you know, my natural curiosity, of course, um, in taking the oath for this process is to take into consideration what folks are saying. You know, sometimes we have to balance that, but I, I, I would want to know what measures um, they were talking about. And of course, I wish, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us wish that we had more change, more time to kind of see what possibilities were out there, but we had a very time sensitive job. One that I will also um, say beyond the criticism, we were praised because we did this job with, with you know, so little at first and um, even being citizens to do these maps in the way that we've done and to have the, the scoring. I mean, really, it, it is truly stellar. Again, not saying that it's perfect, but I, yeah, I'd be interested to see what measures that, that they're suggesting. Mm-hmm. Again, of course, we're in the throes of it, so it can't change. But <laughs> out of my natural curiosity, um, I, I, I'd want to know. Yeah. Okay. Rebecca Zatella and Brittany Kellum. It was really, really great to have both of you here to talk with us about the work of the uh, Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. And we look really forward to more of that work, but also to the public comment sessions and your interactions with Detroiters later today from 1 to 8. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This is an honor. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk with the lead author of that Michigan State University analysis of uh, the proposed maps. John Akia will join us next uh, to uh, to talk about what we are seeing on these proposed maps and what he thinks are opportunities to do it better. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission's new draft maps that citizens will have an opportunity to comment on this week. The the commission is going to hold their first meeting in this round of public comment sessions today here in Detroit at the TCF Center from 1 to 8 p.m. Now, I want to welcome back to the show someone who's been really watching this process very closely and is urging the commission to reevaluate some of its methods. John Aguia is a redistricting expert at Michigan State University, where he's a professor of economics and political science. He is the lead author of a report that analyzing the redistricting commission's new maps. And in some ways, he's saying they are getting it wrong. John Aguia, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. So we talked to you back in the summer before we started seeing how the commission would actually go about drawing these maps. So now that we have 10 draft maps to look at, what are your overall impressions, both of 
the process that we've been following and of the products that we are now seeing it produce. I'm very appreciative of the commissioner's work. This is a difficult task. They have a lot of pressure. The census made it uh, harder for them. So first of all, all my support and uh, gratitude to the commissioners. In their report, uh, we do point out some criticisms, but we think of them as constructive. As, uh, uh, we're supporting the work of the commission by, uh, by measuring what they've done. And yes, we do, we do bring up uh, some issues that they might consider for improvements, uh, but uh, I, I take it to be from, from a supportive perspective. Of, uh, this is uh, citizens uh, drawn, volunteering to, to help the state draw maps, and I think this is a much better process uh, than we had before. If there is something we don't like, we can tell them. We can write a report on it when it's still fixable. So this is so much better. So they are getting criticism. They'll continue to get criticism. But that's part of the appeal of the process, that if we do not like this, there is time to tell them and they listen. Mm. So I am very supportive of the process while acknowledging its flaws and we shouldn't hide uh, the flaws or if they get something slightly off on the first go. Then, then we pointed out to them, but uh, it, it comes from a supportive uh, stance. Uh, so it's constructive criticism is how I would see it. So, so I also would love to hear you compare these draft maps in in total, I guess, to the maps that we have right now, which were drawn by Republican legislators 10 years ago, because those were the rules back then. Whatever party had control of the legislature would get to decide what the political lines would look like for the next 10 years. Are these maps in, in total, in your opinion, better than what we're working with now? And if so, t- tell us how. They are better in some dimensions. Uh, they, they are clearly better in terms of partisan fairness. When you have a party draw maps, they tend to draw maps that favor the party drawing them, uh, whereas these commissioners uh, are trying to draw fair maps. So in that dimension, they are better. Many of the current drafts are worse in technical considerations of just the professionalism of getting it right. Uh, as we point out in the report, six of these maps are not quite complete. They have holes. These are things they have to fix by the next round of, uh, uh, of, of proposed maps. Uh, uh, the maps for the house uh, are, don't, are, are not contiguous. The districts have little bits of district outside the district. These are things that are kind of not, not quite right, not crossing the T's and dotting the I's. So in that regard, they still have some cleanup to do. But uh, uh, in terms of uh, listening to public feedback. And in terms of partisan fairness, uh, these are uh, much better. Uh, They are not much better in terms of uh, compactness or respecting city and county uh, boundaries, uh, but those are low-ranked criteria. And on Voting Rights Act that has uh, uh, generated controversy as how do they treat the particularly black uh, African-American population in Detroit, the, the previous ones had an approach that that was uh, perceived by many to be not favorable to the African-American community. And these maps follow a very different approach that also has its uh, complications and, and concerns that we can talk about. It's a very different approach. 
but uh, at this commission definitely listens more to feedback than the previous system allowed for. So the community will have an opportunity today to tell them what they think, and mm-hmm. they think the commission will listen to that. So, so I want to talk specifically about the way these maps handle uh, voting rights concerns and how they distribute uh, minority voters, black voters, uh, in districts, and in, in particularly in, in the state legislature, where we're hearing a number of current Detroit legislators and, and, and some civil rights activists stand up and say, this is unfair. So on the current maps, there are several districts that are uh, majority African-American. They are uh, also mostly uh, concentrated in the city of Detroit. On the proposed maps, uh, those districts become less African-American, and they are spread out across other communities. Now, this is that uh, um, this is this is that old tension in map drawing between packing voters into districts, which uh, is done sometimes for good reasons and sometimes for nefarious reasons, uh, and and the idea of spreading those voters out uh, to to create um, more districts with uh, a richer mix of, of people in them. I, I would love for you to address the, the, the relative merits of those two things and then talk about these maps and the objections uh, that, are being, that are being raised to them. So let's start with the previous maps briefly. The previous maps uh, did what we call packing, which is just put as many African-Americans together in a district which doesn't help that community because you win that district by a landslide, but then you're deprived of the opportunity to influence other districts. They're kind of vacuumed away from other districts. And that's an aggregate hurtful. That was what the previous maps were doing. This commission has shown an extreme aversion to that, and I would argue that it has gone like a pendulum overshooting in the other direction. Hmm. This commission has made sure that no district whatsoever would have uh, African-American majority. So that's the opposite of packing, uh, but uh, that's, uh, that's arguably gone too far in that uh, it's wrong to pack African-Americans in the same district by dragging them from wherever they are and drawing quickly odd lines to bring them into that same district. But in the city of Detroit, there, are, there is already a very sizable uh, African-American community it doesn't need that you draw very strange things to recognize that the community is there. Mm. And uh, this commission has gone the opposite way of seeing that community saying, I don't want uh, all these people together. I'm going to slice them into strip districts that go into Oakland and Macomb County, Macomb County in, uh, in, in districts that is not clear that they represent as, uh, as big a community. So that's what's unusual. The absolute aversion to having any district that is 50% African American. That's uh, that's an unusual path uh, to uh, I don't know of any precedent where it's deliberate goal to not have an African American uh, majority district. That's uh, that's unusual, and that's not uh, not clear why the commission would feel that this is uh, a necessary approach. And the, uh, the concern that we have is that uh, uh, the, the, the voting rights protection calls 
for making sure that minority groups, and in Detroit we're talking mostly the African-American minority, uh, have an opportunity to elect the candidates they wish, mm -hmm. which means winning the primary and winning the general election. You do not necessarily need to have 50% of, of, uh, of the population for that because you could have alliances with people outside the community who also vote for your preferred candidate. But it's not clear exactly how, what, size, what share of the population you need. The commission has relied on one study from the last 10 years uh, that uh, suggests that 40% would be enough, and it has drawn many districts that are 40% African-American. But that study doesn't have a lot of data in support of it because we haven't had very many competitive primaries on the Democratic side lately. Mm -hmm. So it relies on a single primary. So as a social scientist, as a researcher, I would be very hesitant to put a lot of confidence in saying that all these districts that are 40% African-American, that that's enough for that 40% of African-Americans in Detroit to be able to carry the day through a Democratic primary. And if they do not, if in the end, if in the end, 40% is not enough to win that primary, then we're not offering this community the protections of the Voting Rights Act. That is my concern. That the commission was, I think, good willing, but it, it, it has it has seen a study that says 40% has been enough in the past 10 years mm -hmm. to carry the district, and it has said, well, then let's draw 40% district. And what if that study is not a good prediction for the future? That's my concern. That, uh, that I, I wouldn't say that their approach is wrong. I would say that their approach is risky and is taking unnecessary risks. Mm. That you can think of a scenario in which the voting, the racial patterns of voting are different in the future, and in the end you end up all those strip districts in Detroit uh, the, uh, having a, a different Democrat win in the Democratic primary, not the one preferred by the citizens of Detroit, but the one preferred by suburban uh, suburban voters across county lines. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that would seem to, to, to be not the outcome desired by citizens of Detroit. That, that's my concern. That's the concern that uh, uh, many leaders in Detroit have expressed, but it's not a concern that the Commissioner Callum uh, seems to personally be uh, worried about. So, so uh, the uh, one uh, one of one data point that 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 I've heard, and this was by uh, from Jeff Timmer, who used to help Republicans gerrymander our maps in, in to their to their advantage. Uh, he says that the mean uh, the mean percentage in uh, districts across the country that have elected. Um, minority representatives is somewhere around forty, uh, and that uh, that may be one of the things that, uh, that the commission is is looking at. If that's the case, in other words, if uh, half uh, half of the representatives of color in the country are, are representing districts where there's only forty percent of uh, the population that is an ethnic minority, what, what would be wrong then with, with saying, well, that number is the right number uh, in Michigan? So that number probably is the right number. If I had to bet on the number, it's not that I think the commission is wrong. I think they're probably right. 
But when you are growing pretty much all the districts then at 40, 41, 42, 43, it's like, okay, so they're probably right. It probably works fine. But what if not? Why do you need to bring all those districts that close? Why don't you have some districts at 40 to 45, some at 45 to 50, some at 50 to 60, and just not be that, that risky? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the analogy that I was given, suppose that you have an engineer that tells you, you need at least one ton of concrete for this bridge to to hold. And would you then say, okay, perfect. I'm going to have exactly one ton of concrete. It's just the bare minimum that makes the bridge hold according to this study. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Probably you will give it a safety margin, right? So I think that, uh, I think I'm, I'm, the 40% would also be my best guess with the available information, but it's getting it close and it's risking it. And, I, and given in other places of the country, you don't have, as, as already there, community of African Americans as you have in the city of Detroit. It doesn't take any special mapping to, to draw a majority uh, African American district. In fact, in order not to, the commission has had to break city lines, break county lines, break communities of interest, and draw truly bizarrely shaped districts that look like the ones that they used in advertisements uh, against the previous map. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the community is already there. I think if you had to push for a number, the commission's number is right, but you don't need to risk it that much. So it's, uh, it's an element of uh, the, the commission's putting too much stock on what it's a best estimate with some uncertainty about it. Yeah. That's how I would put it. I also think that there is an interesting emerging tension that is underlying some of what we're hearing. So a lot of the the objection to the map comes from current representatives in in the city of Detroit. Uh, and what they're saying is that the, these maps dilute uh, black voters to the point where uh, they might not uh, be able to elect uh, an African-American uh, representative or wouldn't have a strong likelihood of it. But one of the things that is really changing, I guess, in our region and and was noted, I think, in the census results is that we now have a majority of African-Americans living outside the city of Detroit as opposed to inside the city of Detroit. And uh, the 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 conversation about how African American representation should look, or how you draw districts to make sure that African Americans are well represented, looks different now than it did ten years ago. I wonder if you can talk about that and the idea of city versus suburb, which takes on a different tenor given the presence of the heavy presence of African-Americans in the suburbs uh, versus black uh, or, or, or white voters. It, it's not the same conversation we would have had a decade ago. Yeah, I, I, I would suggest that, that maybe you should have one of these representatives over at your show to talk to you and, and you can ask them whether the problem here is that they don't want to go campaign into uh, rural farms in, in Macomb County. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That maybe these are representatives that are much more comfortable uh, holding rallies and meetings uh, in in the city where they where they live and grew up, and don't quite want to go into the hinterland uh, to talk to people who live in a farm. Mm-hmm. That, that 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 could be part of it. That that the, in in the end, 
the, the interests of the representatives are not part of the, of the constitutional requirements of the commission. So the commission need not care what the representatives think. The commission needs to, need to represent the constituencies and, and draw maps. Uh, so in, I guess, to be blunt here, whether the representatives are happy or unhappy doesn't really matter for, mm. for the map. That, uh, uh, so it's, uh, it's whether the community is being well represented and has the opportunity to elect uh, the representative it wants. That's, uh, uh, that's a key con- concern. Uh, but uh, I, I, yeah, I'm going to be shy of uh, speaking much on behalf of uh, the community that is... Uh, Right, right. Um, uh, so we've got this new process, and now we have these new maps. Uh, you acknowledged up front that this is a very different and more uh, uh, more collaborative, more inclusive process than before. I, I wonder if you can cast forward just a little bit, though, and uh, give us a sense of what what you think we'll end up with uh, at the end of this process, the first time we've done it this way, and what things you think maybe we ought to start thinking about in terms of tweaks or changes to the process uh, for next time. Yeah, I I think we'll get we will get fairer maps that uh, that do not uh, help one party so much. I think we get better involvement uh, uh, by people. I think we get a better understanding about the tensions that are not all the bad things that happened in the previous maps are because the map makers were evil. It's difficult to draw maps and there are tensions between the criteria and even a well-intentioned commission will not draw maps. The more you try to draw maps, the more you realize that the previous map makers weren't that bad and that this is difficult. Mm-hmm. So there is an element of just better understanding. I think we will get uh, fairer maps. Uh, I'm fairly confident uh, in that. Uh, for the next uh, round, uh, I think we still haven't quite resolved the tension about what is a community of interest. I heard uh, the commissioners in the show talking about how uh, how they took into account uh, uh, those uh, those voices and the people expressing, but it's still not entirely clear what is a community of interest, how are defining. So I, I think to, that 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 remains something to improve upon. It will be helpful if the next commission uh, started the process with a, here is how we're going to define a community of interest. Now we're going to try to identify them or mm-hmm. have the public submit because right now. It remains a little bit of a groping in the dark. It's, uh, it's unclear uh, what uh, what people say, but uh, we we have many years to sort out the next one. So uh, first, uh, we're still with the eye on this one. My hopes right now are for more immediate. I would like revisions of these maps first to fix the technical holes that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that the proposed maps the commission is voting on November fifth that those are complete maps that they don't leave any any village, any precinct unassigned to any district, and that they are contiguous. And uh, perhaps that they per, perhaps that they reassess and reconsider in light of the feedback that they'll receive today from the city of Detroit, how they are uh, proposing representation for the African-American community in Detroit. That, that, I think, is perhaps one of the greatest sticking points in this moment. Okay. Uh, John Gia, it's really great to have you back with us here on Detroit Today to talk about the mess. We, I'm sure 
we will talk again before all of this uh, ends. But thanks very much for being with us today. Thank you. It's going to do it for us today. Come in, come back tomorrow. I'm going to talk with writer Anne Elizabeth Moore about her new book, Gentrifier, which details how she won a house in a Bangladeshi neighborhood in Detroit, befriended her neighbors, witnessed forms of civic collapse, and also forms of community solidarity. This is 1019 WDETFM.